This week on Champion Church Fort Worth, the podcast, Pastor Samuel opens our Love Revolution series with the story of Joseph and his tribulations, from being thrown into a pit by his brothers to being sold into slavery and eventually wrongfully accused and thrown in prison. Through Joseph's example, we see that if we remain focused on God's plan for our lives, the pits, the problems, and the prisons that we face in this world will all be put into proper perspective. Here's Pastor Samuel. It's so crazy today because you're all sitting in different spots. It's just really weird. Can we all go back to our assigned seats, please? In college, I always had a problem because when I would go sit in my seat that didn't have my name on it, and I would get there to class and somebody was in my seat, was that not a major train wreck in your mind? Like, Dane, unlike you, for me, it was like, I got to leave. Like, we got to start this whole thing over. So, uh, but that's good. You know, growing people change, praise God. And we're so happy that you're growing and you're moving seats and God is good. Amen. Only I have to deal with that issue, but uh, God's working on me. Praise God. Hey, I want to thank you for being here today. Love Revolution. We're starting a four week series. We're so excited. We have Father's Day sprinkled in there on the third week of this thing. And how many fathers in the house today? Come on, a bunch of you champion fathers. We're going to celebrate you in a few weeks, so we want to encourage you to bring your dads uh, or bring yourselves and your kids, and God's going to do great things. It's awesome. So uh, I want to thank all of you coming for the last uh, four weeks. We talked about our Orange Series. Remember, church, if you missed a week, that's okay. If you missed a month, that's okay, because we have it all online for you on our podcast, and I don't want you to miss it, because I believe what God puts in our hearts during, uh, on Sundays is very va- vital and valuable to where we're going. So I want to encourage you, just be faithful, get on that podcast, it'll automatically download to your device, and you can listen to it whenever you want, and uh, we know that God will bless you in that. Everybody say okay. okay. All right, smack your neighbor for a second, wake them up, come on, smack them gently, but go ahead and give them a good hit, if you can, all right. We love smacking our neighbors. Isn't it fun? Doesn't it just make you feel better? Anybody? Spencer? Come on now. God is good. Hey, today we're going to talk about love revolution because uh, what's great is Jesus started this love revolution. And it's a crazy thing because Jesus was very revolutionary. And the things that he did and the ideas that he had was very different from the way that uh, all of the people that were currently living while he was on the earth. And Jesus began to just revolutionize their life with this issue of love. And uh, I love it because we're going to be talking about the life of Joseph today. And it's kind of a story, and you're going to need to stay with me and follow through, but it's a fascinating story of one man's journey with God through his life and how he eventually was able, um, with the help of God, he was able to save two nations from from poverty, from starvation and bankruptcy. This man, through, through walking with God, was able to make it happen. And God used him in a mighty way. But throughout the next few weeks, we're going to be taking areas of his life and talking about that and how it applies to us. Amen? Let me pray and let's get this party started. Dear God, we love you. We honor you. We thank you for what you're going to do. I pray that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that everyone's heart in this room would be willing to receive your word. And not only willing to receive it, but actually, God, as you water it, that it would produce a fruit, a great fruit that tastes good, that looks good, that is usable in the life that we live. Thank you for imparting what we need today to get us on to tomorrow to do great things in your kingdom. We love you. We honor you. In Jesus' name, everybody set. Amen. 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 So when I was a child, like last year, I, uh, <clears throat> I that was funny. That was funny. Spencer, thank you. It's just so abrupt. Maybe it was too early. Was it too early? All right. Um, So when I was a child, we went on a vacation. My mom and dad had been saving up all year to go to the Disney World, right? The greatest place place on earth. And we were going to get in the car and we're going to drive all the way to Disney World. My mom and dad, the four of us, we have four siblings, all four of us together, so six total, and we all got in the car, and we were headed to the greatest place on earth. And I was so excited and so ready to go, and, and, and I just couldn't believe that the day had finally come, that we were headed all the way to Disney World in Florida. So we're driving, and I'm excited. I mean, anything excites me for the most part, right? 
Thank you. And uh, anything really excites me, but this was super exciting. My world was just blowing up inside of my brain. Like I couldn't imagine all that was going to happen through the drive and getting there. Well, lo and behold, about halfway there, we're all sleeping. We're all tired, you know, and my dad and mom are driving. I think my dad's driving. Yeah. And so uh, all of a sudden I see sirens in the back and I'm like, what is going on? And uh, apparently we got pulled over by a, a state trooper of some kind because my parents might have uh, not always been godly Christians, right? I know none of you are like that in here, but apparently they were exceeding, they, they were exceeding the speed limit in the laws of the, the city they were in. Not their own laws, apparently, but in their mind, but the laws of the land. And uh, so they got pulled over. And uh, all of a sudden, my, the, the police officer is asking my dad to get out of the vehicle. And uh, what was a great trip in my mind, all of a sudden, the police officer not only takes my dad out of the car, but puts him in the back of his squad car. And while everything was beautiful, the roses smelled great, and, and, and all of life, I felt like I had, had arrived, you know what I mean? All of a sudden, it came crashing down, and my dad was going to jail. My dad, who's a pastor, right, Uh, who has done no wrong my whole life, right, is now going to prison for the rest of my life. And I'm freaking out, church. I mean, I'm having, it was, everything was great. And now we're we're all going to jail. We're going to die. They're going to leave us with my mom. Oh, my gosh. She drives faster than he does. Don't tell her I said that. And so we end up having to follow the police officer and my dad all the way to the jail, right? And I'm, I'm like eight, seven. How old am I? Six. I don't know. It was last year, and I was scared to death, and I was crying. Like, why? We're just going to Disney World, dude. Leave us alone. Say you're sorry, Dad. Do something, right? And so they take us to the jail, and apparently they wanted my parents to pay the money right then. That was back in the day. No cell phones, right? No credit cards, right? And apparently they wanted to take all the money my parents had for the trip. And so they took us to, I know they don't do that anymore, do they? I don't know. I don't speed. Except when I'm in a car. It's weird. It's like I don't know what to do with myself. And so they, they take us to the courthouse and, or to the jail, and, and apparently, Dad, you, you must have paid some money, right? You gave them the money for the trip, and somehow we got on our way, and we weird sheepishly drove to Disney World. And I was thinking, what just happened? I want to say something to you this morning, friends, that, that you never know what's going to happen in life. And we can have intentions and good, good plans and ideas and thoughts about tomorrow, but, but God knows. And, and the cool thing about this was God didn't leave us when my dad went to jail, right? He was there with us. And I'll tell you, my dad's going to have to probably fix some of that story, but that's okay. He can do that later. Um, and because uh, he might say a little bit different, but I was seven, right? Everything was kind of bigger and scarier. Um, and so, but I want to encourage you today. We're going to be talking about the life of Joseph because uh, I want to I make this statement to you that's going to sum up the next four weeks. And I need you to hear it and I need you to receive it because it's, it's true. The first thing is God loves me. I want you to say God loves me. God is always with me and has greater plans for me. I want you to know that today that God really loves you and he's with you and he has great plans for you, that that he has greater plans than you can ever think or imagine. And I want to say that, 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 that tomorrow will be better. God has better plans for you. That this is just the beginning of what God is going to do in your life. But you got to believe this, friends. Whatever happens, whatever peaks and valleys happen tomorrow, God wants to impart into you that he loves you, that he's always with you, and that he will never leave you. Someone say amen. John 10.10, throw that up for me. John 10.10, I love this because this is the truth. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy you, right? 
But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. The other version says, have it more abundantly. That full of life, full of, that we would have a life that's more abundant, that, that is full of life, full of amazing opportunities. And I love what Jesus says, in order to have that, there's some things that you and I must understand about the love revolution that he started. He says here, they, they asked him, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says this right here. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? And, and this is basic. Love God. Love him. Love what he's about. Love what he's doing. And secondly, um, that, that you and I would love our neighbor as ourself. That's the, true, that's the true test of if you're walking with Christ, if our love revolution has actually happened in your life. Then not only would you love God, because that's kind of easy. Let's love him. Let's do great things. But the hard part is to love your neighbor. And isn't that the true test, friends, that you and I look and act and, and feel like Jesus? I want to challenge you that Jesus started this love revolution, but it's got to happen in your heart. And by it happening in your heart, it will dictate every decision that you make from this day forward. Praise the Lord. God loves you. Let's talk about Joseph today. Genesis 37. We're going to be in the Bible. I'm going to read some scripture to you today. Now, I know you came to church to hear a good word, um, and, but I'm going to give you a better word. It's called the Bible. And we're going to read about Joseph today. And if you're here for the first time or you've been here forever, just take a hold of this story, understand it, and realize that God loves you, that he's with you, and that he will never leave you, and that his plans are great for you. We're going to talk about Joseph, a man in the Bible, found in the book of uh, Genesis. Genesis, uh, again, Joseph saved two nations from slavery and bankruptcy. But his path to success was kind of like my trip to Disney World. It was hard, and there were some troubling moments, big troubling moments. And so I want to tell you here, we're going to be in Genesis 37, 3 to 5. We'll be in the NIV version. That's kind of what I read and what I, what I preach out of a lot. If you have a different version, just read along, or you can read up here behind me. Uh, and we're going to talk about Joseph and his life and all the ups and downs. And so first thing here we're going to say is now Israel, which is Joseph's father, right? He's also, his name was also Jacob. All right, if you guys remember, we've talked about Jacob. So now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons. Someone say, wow, that's kind of mean. All right. So he loved him more than any of his other sons. And he says here in the word of God, because he had been born to him in, in his old age, he made him an ornate robe for him. King James says a robe of many colors, right? An amazing robe. Built this robe for his most favorite son. And it says here, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Man, that's a rough road, huh? He had 11 brothers. That's a lot of hate, right? I mean, if it was one brother, you could probably manage. But 11 brothers hating you because you're the favorite, and the father makes you this beautiful robe. And you get to wear it proudly for all of your family to hate. Dude, praise God, right? And all of a sudden, Joseph has this dream, right? And, and you guys have heard this story. I, I just love it. I mean, it, it, he has this dream. Now, in the Bible, especially in Genesis right now, the, the, the first books of the Bible had not been written. And what God would do was give men and women dreams, and, and these dreams would speak to their lives and help motivate them and, and give them guidance and, and give them a, a hope for the future. And what God was doing uh, for Joseph there was he was giving him a dream about the future. And we believe that God speaks to our lives. He motivates us. He helps us. But remember, every dream must be uh, looked at and, and, and made sure that it's correct based on the word of God. Now, they didn't have the Word of God at the time, but we do. So, and the reason why I say that is because people have told me they've had dreams about all kinds of things. And I'm like, dude, that's the pizza you ate last night. <laughs> right? Don't come to me with that. If God gives you dreams multiple times and it's backed up by the Word of God, let's discuss it. Praise God. But everything will be worked on with the Word of God as our guide. Praise God. Someone say amen. This is not a, a crackerjack idea here. So 
he has this dream. It says here, and when he told it to his brothers, because if you have a dream, you got to tell it to your brothers, apparently, all 11 of them. When he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, listen to the dream that I had, right? And his brothers leaned in, ready to beat him, right? He says here, he said, listen to the dream I had. We were building sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Isn't that a great dream? I love dreams like that. You're all bowing to me. Isn't that great? What a knucklehead, right? So he's telling them this dream. And in verse 8, his brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had to say. Listen, Joseph needs to shut his mouth. His brothers already hate him for his coat. And now the brothers are very angry. And, and, and it's funny because it's like he loves it. He's 17 years old, right? The Bible tells us. And he's standing there telling all of his older brothers that you will all bow down to me. Like, what's my name? Is what he's telling them. And they don't like it, friends. They don't like it at all. So much so. Check this out. The next night, then he had another dream. Like, I would have said, dude, just stop with the dreams, They're going to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Nobody likes that guy, right? So he has another dream that God gives him, and he tells it to his brothers again. This guy never learns, right? 17-year-olds, he needs needs to get beat up, right? He thinks he's the man. He needs to get whooped. And he says here, then he had another dream, and and he told his brothers this. He said, listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time... The sun and the moon, the sun being his father and the moon being his mother, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. I am awesome, he told them. Like, I'm the man, right? I don't care that you're all older than me. I don't care that you're bigger than me. I don't care that you're my mom and dad. You're all bowing down to this. Get ready. And when he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I actually, and your brothers all actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in his mind and remembered these two dreams that he had. I want to share with you something about this um, that I want to point out this morning to you. Three quick points about things that happen in your life. Because after he told this dream, these two dreams to his brothers, the hatred in their heart grew and grew and grew. So much so that they wanted to kill the brother. And we're going to find out what happens here. But uh, today, what I want you to see is that there are three barriers that all of us can face when in getting to the dream and the fulfillment of that dream. Because I know in this room, God has given us lots of dreams, lots of things that we want to do, lots of ideas that are good, that are God-ordained, that God gave us to do in this life. But I want to tell you something that we're going to find out in in Joseph's life, that in that dream, for that dream to become a reality, there are things that face us, that are going to face us tomorrow and in this life that we live, that we must understand today, because if we will understand that, we will know how to get through it in the right way. Praise God. We don't know what tomorrow brings, but God knows, and he's going to help us. He's going to get us through this. Listen, have you ever had a day when the bottom just kind of falls out, like our trip to Disney World? No one ever plans for that. You know, some guy asks you, hey, can we meet up for lunch at noon tomorrow? And you're like, yeah, but I'm going to be in a massive accident at 1130. And uh, as soon as I get done with that and all the paperwork and the police and the other guy's insurance, I'll be there at noon, right? Nobody's ever said that. Tragedy does not make an appointment with you. Did you know that? And, and what I want to say is that there are two reasons that, that, that put us in a pit. And what we're going to find is that Joseph gets thrown into a pit by his 11 brothers that want to kill him. 
And what I want to say to you is that there are two things that we get into those pits. The first thing are just circumstances, things that happen, things that happen out of our control. We didn't mean for it to happen. We didn't plan on it to happen, but it just happened. The other thing are just choices. Maybe we make a bad choice. Maybe we started out in one direction and made a wrong choice, and now we're, we've ended up in a difficult place, in a bad situation, maybe a bad relationship. Listen, you, you and I, we plan for a great marriage, but some marriages end in divorce. Choices, circumstances. Listen, we planned on having a baby, but some, some babies don't make it, and it ends up in miscarriage. I know what that feels like. These are difficult pits that we can find ourselves in. Some of us have planned on a promotion, but, but instead we got a pink slip. We got a layoff. God, what, what were you doing there? Where were you there, sport, right? Supposed to help me there. Some of us plan to have a healthy, long life, but we didn't plan for the doctor to tell us that we didn't have many days to live. Just want to tell you, friends, circumstances and choices can very quickly get us into that pit. And Joseph did not expect the pit either. Listen what happens to Joseph shortly after he tells the, 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 the dreams to his brother and parents. In verse 37, excuse me, chapter 37, verse 14. So he said to them, so this is his father telling Joseph. He says, I want you to go and see if all is well with your brothers and with the flocks. And bring word back to me. And then he sent him off to the valley of Hebron. It says in Genesis uh, 37, 18, but they saw him in the distance. This is his brothers now. He's, his dad told him to go check on his brothers who are tending sheep. And, and his brothers see him off in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Those are nice brothers, right? Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him. And let's throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. What a great idea. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams, they said. These brothers were not nice guys. And so when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe that he was wearing, the coat of many colors, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. And the cistern was empty, the Bible tells us, and there was no water in it. Listen, when you and I and when Joseph gets thrown into the pit, we will experience something called loneliness. Loneliness. Where is everybody? Why didn't you help me in this situation? Why out of all 11 brothers was there not one brother that said, hey, maybe that's not a good idea, right? What about, what about the person at the job? You lose your job and you say, why didn't that person back me up? Why didn't they fire that person first? All of a sudden, we feel like we're the only person on planet earth when we are thrown in the pit. It's a difficult place to be, friends, because loneliness hurts. Loneliness stinks. Loneliness doesn't feel good. Loneliness brings bitterness. Loneliness, you find yourself feeling like nobody cares about your situation. This is, this is what Joseph was feeling, friends. Some of you are today are in that pit. And God wants to bring life to you today. And say that there is some real help in that pit, in that difficult situation. In fact, they go to Pier 1, and they buy decorations for the pit. Because every time you meet them, they're talking about the pit that they're still in. I've met people that used to, uh, when I was a kid, used to be in my life in church. And yet, I'll meet them 20 years later, and they're still complaining about the same thing they complained about. You know what I mean? Like, there are some people that really love to be the victim. Can I say something that's going to help you this morning? Victims never walk in victory. Can I say that again to you? Victims never walk in victory. If you continue to play the victim card, it's going to be real hard to be a champion. Because you're going to blame everybody and every situation and that family member and that coworker and that boss and that wife or that husband of yours. You will blame them to death because you're going to play the victim and you will never get the victory in life. Listen, we're all going to be in pits from time to time, friends. But we got to find victory even in that pit. We got to say, God, you put us here for a reason. We're trusting in you because God is a God that is greater than the pit that you're in for that momentary time in your life. He's greater than that. 
Listen, when we are in the pit, we will also experience doubt. Lord, why did this happen? I'm not good enough. I don't measure up. I've tried to do this church thing. It just didn't work out. I tried to be faithful in my tithes, but my bank account is still empty, God. I still didn't get that raise. Listen, when things are difficult, you're always going to doubt, friends. This is where God wants you to realize who's in control of your life. The circumstance isn't in control of your life. God is in control of your life. Do you think God left Joseph when, when his brothers threw him in the pit? Of course not. God was still there with him. We got to understand, we might experience doubt, but God will be faithful to that. Sometimes you, you scream out, God, you owe me an explanation. Why did you allow this to happen? I never planned for this to happen, and now you, you've put me here. Listen, the other day when there were storms happening, and I told you guys this before, but it's so funny how Finley's afraid of storms, kind of like her dad used to be, amen? She's so scared of these storms that are coming. She hears the TV blinking, storms, storms, flash floods, death, decay, destruction, right? And in her mind, her mind is blowing up like mine was going to Disney World. And uh, the apple doesn't, the nut doesn't fall far. Okay. Um, and so she's screaming, and she, she makes this statement, why didn't you tell me there was going to be a tornado coming? I said, Finley, nobody said anything about a tornado. Why are you asking for an explanation when nobody's told you there was a tornado? Like, nobody ever said that to your little brain. But in that moment, she was blaming her mom and her dad and her sister and her brother. Like, it's all your fault. The tornado's coming to kill us. I know none of you have ever felt that, right? But when you're in the pit, you feel doubt and discouragement. You start blaming God, blaming your family. Like, why was I even born? Anybody? It's like Job, right? What's crazy about this is Joseph goes from the pit, right? And he gets to this place after he gets through this, this difficult situation. And let me tell you what happens. The brothers, instead of killing him in the cistern and leaving him there, they decide, we'll just put him on Craigslist and sell him. Because then we'll make some money, right? Or on eBay, whichever they had at the time. It says here in Genesis 37, so when the Midian merchants came by, the brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. They sold him as a slave to go to Egypt to be a slave in someone's house. And it says here in, in chapter 39, now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard brought, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there, right? And the Lord was with Joseph. Listen to this. Even as a slave, the Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. He lived there, and he, and he, and he began to be blessed in that job. Can, can God bless a slave? Can, can God actually bless somebody that's in a pit? Can God actually be working on your behalf even when you're in that difficult moment? We see that Joseph, even though his brothers were going to kill him, somehow God told them, you need to sell him. They sold him, sent him to Egypt, and he hung out in this amazing palace of, of Potiphar's. And he did so well as a slave that Potiphar put him over all of the home. Everything that was happening there, he made him the chief slave in that instance. And he began to really be blessed in that place. We're going to find out what happens here. It says here in 39, verse 3 and 4, when his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in the eyes and became his attendant. And Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he owned. Come on, that's blessing. Verse 6 and 7, so Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. And listen to what happens here, because just when you get done with the pit and God starts blessing your life, there is something that the evil one would love to bring, and it's called temptation. And he says here, now Joseph was well-built and handsome, right? Right? You got that up there? 
He was well built. He was uh, <laughs> handsome. That's all you need to know. Let's pray. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, really. Let me just read it to you. Praise God. Now, he was well-built and handsome, and after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and his strong muscles, I added that in, and said, come to bed with me. You guys are awesome. So Joseph is this heartthrob, 20-something-year-old man now, but Potiphar had this wife, and I heard a guy call her Hotifer because she was hot. Because if you know something about those days, all the kings, all the people that are in the upper echelon of, 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 of the time, uh, in, in all the Egyptians, they would have beautiful women as their wife. So we're going to refer to her as Hotifer, all right? So it doesn't say her name, but Hotifer is just as good, right? Now, she was beautiful. Genesis 39, 9 says, it says here, she, well, she tells him, hey, I want you to come to bed with me. And he says, no one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, Hotifer, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And I, I, I love Joseph's heart because, listen, Joseph refused to give up what God wanted him to do. His dream was always in the back of his head and in his heart. God, you said I would do this. I believe what you said is true, and I will work hard and be diligent with all that you've given me. But I will not mess around with this one moment and this one desire that can wreck all of that. You know, I've heard very, very quickly on before I even became a pastor, listen, you can work your whole life for doing great things for God and doing great things in your life, but you can make one simple mistake and destroy it all. I want to encourage you, we are one mistake away from messing it all up. And I want to tell you, we have a responsibility to stay away from the Hotifers. Listen, my dad said, don't mess with the three G's. Don't mess with the glory. It's not about your glory, right? Don't mess with the gold. You start messing with money. You start putting money over God. You start putting money over your ministry. You start putting money over your relationships. You will mess up. And the third thing is don't mess with the girls. Or boys with a B. The three G's and the B. All right. We just made that up, praise God. The struggle, friends, is real because there is temptation out there. And the, the Bible says that the devil crouches like a roaring lion, like a roaring lion. And, he, and he, doesn't just, he doesn't just come kick our door down, but he sees in the distance what you struggle with, and he waits for a chance down the road for you to trip over that temptation and mess it all up. Joseph went from the pit and started dealing with lots of problems, friends, lots of issues. But Joseph refused to give that up and said, I will not go to bed with you, but I will stay focused on the task that God has given me and to be loyal to Potiphar, your husband, and make wise decisions. Now, we're going to have pits. We're going to have problems. But another barrier that all of us can face to getting our dream is something called prison. And we see in the life of Joseph what happens. It says here in verse 39, chapter 39, verse 10, and though he, she spoke to Joseph day to day, um, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. So day to day, she nagged him and, and said, please do this, please do this. It says one day he went into the house to do his duties and none of the household servants was inside, the Bible says. And she caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house as quickly as possible. Someone say, good job. You don't want to end up in prison, friends. Sometimes, though, in life, we get punished for doing the right things. Because what, what you find out here in the Word of God in chapter 39, it says, Joseph master, Joseph's master ends up taking him and putting Joseph in prison. And what happened was, as soon as he left the room, she went and grabbed his cloak 
and went to her husband and say, said, Joseph tried to take advantage of me. And see, here is his cloak to show you. Every day, Potiphar came to him and said, I want you to go to bed with me. He finally continued to say, I will not do that. And he runs out the door. And even still doing the right thing every day, the wife lied to her, to, to her husband about Joseph. And he was so enraged that he threw Joseph in prison for doing nothing wrong, friends. I want to say to you, you can do everything right and there will still be pits in your life. You can do everything right, and there will still be a prison that you could be in on this earth. Whether it be physically or mentally, whatever is going on, there can be things that happen. And you could say to yourself, God, why would you allow this to happen? How could this happen? But you know, Joseph made a decision in prison, even though he was, he was completely innocent of the crime. He made a decision here in, in, in verse 20. And I want to say this before I say that, that God prepares us in the hardships. God prepares us even in the difficult times because he knows that what he intended you to do, he's got to get you to that place where you can do it successfully. So there are things that need to grow us up. There are things that we need to walk through that we don't even see that God is saying, I need you to grow up in this area, and I'm going to help you do that because I love you. Remember, at the start of this sermon, I said the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes that you might wreck your plans. He's not trying to wreck your, your life. He's not trying to wreck your plans. He's trying to help grow you. Verse 20, 23, but while Joseph was in prison, watch what happens when there's a man of God in prison. While, while the, put that up there. The Lord, the Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden so that the warden put Joseph again in charge of all those held in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. And the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And in that moment, in those, in those years that he was there in prison, there were, two, there were two people that worked for Potiphar that were thrown in prison there as well. And one was a cupbearer and one was a baker. And they both had dreams while in prison. And they went to Joseph because they, they, they had heard that Joseph could interpret dreams. And they went to Joseph while all three of them were in prison and said, listen, we have this dream. Can you help us? What does this mean? And he told the cupbearer, the dream that you had means that in three days you're going to be set free. And you're going to be able to live again in, in, in the king's house and be able to do all the great things. And the baker came to him and told him a dream. And, and Joseph said, listen, in three days, you're not going to make it. I'm sorry. That, that's what this dream means. And in three days, those things became a reality. And the baker lost his life. But the cupbearer went in and began to work again for the king. And Joseph said, before you go there, I want you to remember me. And I want you to tell the king what happened. And I want you to help me get out of this place. Well, three days, three days pass, and, and the cupbearer gets his freedom and begins to work again, but forgets about Joseph. Joseph has to sit in prison for another two years. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh has a dream. And none of the other people in his kingdom could translate that dream. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer remembers a guy in prison named Joseph. And he says, there's a guy in prison that helped interpret a dream for me two years ago. Bring him out. He's a man of God. He'll help you. So he comes out, and he interprets this dream. And he, and he helps Pharaoh understand that there's going to be seven years of, of awesome things. There's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be seven years where every, you're going to have all the crops that you need, but then there will be seven years of famine. And you better make decisions, Pharaoh, right now to save up all that you can for seven years because those seven years of famine are going to be horrible. And Joseph translate this, translates this dream for him and, and really helps the kingdom so much so the Pharaoh tells, uh, says to Joseph in chapter 41, verse 39, it says, Since God has made all this known to you, there is no one discerning uh, there, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and all my people are to submit to your, your orders. Only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. 
So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. He was even in charge of Potiphar's house, the prison, and now the palace. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his, from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Friends, remember the robe that his dad put on him as a boy and how his brothers took that robe from him and threw him in the pit. And now we see Pharaoh putting these beautiful robes over him. And God blesses him. And it says here in verse 33, he had him ride in a chariot as his second in command. And people shouted before him, make way. And thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. And then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift hand or foot in all of Egypt. I want to say to you in closing this morning, we don't know, friends, what kind of pit we might be in in the future. But God is with us. He's preparing us in those moments of difficulty. He's preparing us. And listen, what we do in that pit makes every, it dictates the future for us. If we are stuck in that pit as a victim, we will stay there. But if we begin to serve like God has put in our hearts, if we begin to focus on the dreams that God has given us to say, God, you've given me that dream to start that business. You've given me that dream to have that relationship. And I'm going to fight for it. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be diligent to work and be faithful and be a good steward of the life that you've given me, God. If you do that, God will work those things out for your benefit. He'll work those things out to bring clarity of mind. And we see that Joseph, his whole life, God was preparing him for the future. And over the next couple of weeks, friends, we're going to talk about the results of Joseph being faithful. And what I want to say to you this morning, that, 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 that God loves you, that he's with you, and that his plans are great for you. But there will be moments of temptation. There will be moments of difficulties. There will be moments where you are weary. And you are wondering, God, what is this all for? And what I want to say as your pastor today is that God has given you every ability to still be faithful in the difficult times, just like in the good times. That your marriage is not too far gone. That the difficulty that you're facing tomorrow, God knows and is with you in it. I love a God that doesn't say, good luck. I love a God that is in the boat with us in the middle of the storm and that walks with us and that is there to be faithful, to help us in it, to get us through it and teach us a few things about what it means to have faith in Jesus. And I just want to tell you this morning, wherever you're at, God is greater than the pit. You got to remember that, friends. God is greater than your own mind. God is greater than the struggle that you have in your mind. God is greater than the temptation. God is greater this morning than all the problems that are, that are going to come your way. That are going to come my way. God is greater than all the problems of yesterday. God is greater than the prison that you might find yourself in. But you've got to give him your life. I believe Joseph got through all of that, even though he didn't belong in those things. Even though he didn't deserve any of those things. God brings those things in our life to grow us, to help us, to train us, to teach us. God, you will find as you live life more and more day to day, you'll be able to look back and say, thank you, God, for getting me through that. Thank you that your plans are greater than my plans, that your abilities are much greater than my abilities. And what I want to do today in closing is just pray for you that whatever you Whatever situation you find yourself in, God's there with you. And he's got greater plans for you. And he's got abilities and and, and things that he wants to use in your life that you've never even thought about. He's greater than all of those things. And I want you to be encouraged today that because this was God's plan, it'll work out. Did you know that? This wasn't my idea, friends. This wasn't your idea. This wasn't your grand plan of of this is how it was going to work out. This is God's idea. This is God's plan. We are just following his footsteps. He's the great 
right? He's the great leader. He's the great father. He's the great shepherd. The Bible says the shepherd goes out before the sheep. And all that we must do is follow him. I want you to bow your heads this morning. I want to pray for you that those of you that have never really followed in the footsteps of Jesus, those of you that, that, that have never really said, God, be the Lord of my life, that have never submitted their life to, to, to Jesus, I, I want to give you a chance to just say a simple prayer for you today. To say a simple prayer that Jesus will come into your life and, and change you and begin to work on you in a loving way. That's what I love about a loving father. He doesn't come to whoop you. He comes to bring life to you. If you're here this morning, I want us to pray together this prayer of salvation. That's saying, God, I lay down my life and I'm going to pick up your plans for me. And I'm going to invite you to, in, into my heart. I'm going to confess, confess that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and you were resurrected three days later to bring life to my life. And I want us to pray this together. Say, dear Jesus, all of us, dear Jesus, I ask that you come into my life. I confess my sins before you. And I believe that you have died on the cross for my sins. And you were resurrected three days later to bring salvation to me. I give you every area of my life this morning. And I honor you today. I will follow you all of my life bring life to me. In Jesus' name. I want to close with this scripture because I've got one minute. This morning, my buddy from San Antonio, a pastor friend of mine, sends me a text. And he doesn't just send me a text because it's a good idea. He doesn't just send me a text because, ah, oh, he just thought about me. He doesn't send me a text because he, he didn't have anything else to do on Sunday morning before leading a church. But he sends me a text because God tells him, you need to send this text to Sam. And as I was reading this text, I said, Lord, you're, only, you're the only one that knows this. You're the only one that knows that I need this today. You're the only one. God, you know me. You know my ways. And you know that I needed this scripture this morning. And what I'm going to do because I love you is I'm going to share it with you. Because I think you need it this morning. Can God work through my buddy in San Antonio to work through me, to work in you, so that you can work in your neighbor Monday through Saturday? Hey, Pastor Sam, I love you. Haven't stopped praying for you. Heard you had some health challenges. Jesus is going to work all that out for good, restore you. You're an overcomer. You're a champion. Blah, that's great. Praise God. God knows. We've been battling to some things, but God gave me this verse for you, Psalms 30. And he goes, I've been standing praying this prayer over your life. I'm like, dude, why would a guy in San Antonio care enough about me to pray for me every day this scripture? Because that's what people do, praise God. That's what people do that are champions. He says, Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. Someone say amen. amen. When you say amen, it means let that be so in me. You're saying, amen, let that be so into my heart. It's okay to say amen in the house of God. <laughs> you turned my wailing into dancing. You removed my sackcloth and clothed me with joy. Someone say amen. amen. That my heart may sing your praises and not be silent. Lord my God, I will praise you forever, says the word of God. When you come to church, friends, there is a great exchange. You can't leave without getting some goodness of God. You can't leave Disney World without having an amazing time. Come on, and good times with your family and friends. I want to tell you, God has imparted some things into you this morning. That throughout the pit and the problems and the prison, God will be faithful to show himself real. And the dreams that he imparted into you today and the dreams that he's given you in the past will come to pass, thus saith the Lord. And God will do great things in your life. And tomorrow the plans are better than today. And God's plans are great for your life. And you, 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 you will have blessings. God will multiply your, 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 your heart and your vision and the job that he's given to you. He will do great things for you, friends. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. I'm just going to pray for you because I have been encouraged that God, God thinks about me. 
I've been encouraged that God thinks about you, that he knows you, that when you decide to get up on Sunday morning and make a sacrifice of praise, that God will honor that, that God will bless your life, that you would, that when you, you decide to come to church on your vacation, it was the right thing to do, praise God, that when you decide to, to make God the center of your relationship, that he will be faithful to produce good results in your life, amen? I want to pray for us today as champions. I don't want us to come today as weaklings. I don't want us to come today as victims because we are not victims. We are victorious. Thus says the Lord today. You, you're victorious. You're champions. Not because you feel like it or because of your circumstance, but because God's created you as a champion in the kingdom of God. And you need to share this, this sermon with people that are going through difficult times today. They're not victims. They're victorious in Christ Jesus. That's what you need to pray for them. That's what you need to remind them of. And that's what God has done for us today. Let me pray for you. I want you to bow your heads this morning. God, I thank you for your people. (laughs) I thank you that you care about me, God, as a pastor. I'm so thankful that you give friends of mine the ability to see what I don't see. That sometimes even in the midst of the storm, God, when I think what is going on, Lord, you put it on the heart of people to pray for me, to care about my needs, to care about my body, to care about my life, Lord. And today you've come for your people and you've said over all of us that we're victorious today over our jobs, over the things that you've put in our heart, Lord. And you've reminded us that, that this great love revolution that you started, you're not finished with. And that each and every person in here, as we rise up, Lord, I just pray for for amazing abilities like never before. I pray for whole marriages. I pray for whole relationships today. We just proclaim that over your people, over the hearts of your people. That, Lord, we're not here by accident today, but we're here because you have a plan. And you have a plan for our lives to do great and mighty things, God. We give you this day. We give you these champions today, Lord, that as they go, that you are with them every step of the way to do great and noble things, God, that your plans are beautiful for them, Lord Jesus. And I thank you for this. I thank you for this great family that you've given to us here. God, everyone is valuable in this place. Bring life to them. Jesus' mighty name. That's all we have for this week. Make sure to tune in next week for the second sermon in our Love Revolution series. Have a blessed one.